Awesome. Well, a very good morning, everyone. It's always a great joy to gather together. Um, I, loved, uh, I loved that idea, Inga, of us just submitting ourselves to God's Word and really uh, feasting on it, yes? We hungry, are we not, for the things of the Lord, so let us feast on His Word. Um, so as Inga mentioned, we are, I think you mentioned, or maybe it happened in my head, but um, we are entering into the Kingdom of Heaven series, uh, and so uh, we begin to look at the parables which Jesus told, uh, which He kicked off saying, the Kingdom of Heaven or the Kingdom of God is like... Uh, and so as we, as we look at that, it's, it's helpful for us because we, I think over time, begin to get concepts of what the kingdom of heaven is like. And so it's always good to come back to Jesus and say, Lord, just remind us again what the kingdom is actually like, uh, the one that you've made, not the one that we've created in our imaginations. Uh, and so it's a, hopefully going to be a helpful time uh, for us as we look into a kingdom perspective uh, as Jesus would describe it. Uh, and so you may be at a different space on your journey with the Lord to somebody else. You may still be inquiring uh, as to who this Jesus is. Is it someone you even want to follow? Uh, perhaps you are newly saved and are beginning this journey uh, with Jesus and with His church, and perhaps you've walked with Him for a long time. Um, I'm trusting that to, this morning will be hopefully a, a, a re-digging of your foundations and going, okay, yes, that is what I believe about the kingdom, and it's, it's been confirmed. Thank you, Lord. Uh, perhaps for some of us, we'll be like, oh, sheesh, I never thought the kingdom was like that. I think I need to renew my thinking. Uh, but either way, I'm trusting that God is going to help us just to get a clearer image uh, of what the kingdom will look like and over the next two months. So, Lord, we commit ourselves to you. We commit our understandings to you. Uh, would we drop our defenses before you this morning, Lord? Show us your way. Show us your kingdom. Uh, we want to live for our king, and so help us to do that, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Cool, Matthew 13, if you have your Bibles. Matthew 13, verse 24. Matthew 13, verse 24. So Jesus put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to someone who sowed good seed in his field. But while everybody was asleep, an enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and then went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain... Then the weeds appeared as well. And the slaves of the householder came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? Where then did these weeds come from? He answered, An enemy has done this. The slave said to them, uh, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he replied, No, for in gathering the weeds, you would uproot the wheat along with them. Let both of them grow together until the harvest, and at harvest time I will tell the reapers, Collect the weeds first and then bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. A funny thing about Jesus is he says this to the crowd and then leaves. And so in prepping for this morning, I was thinking to myself, oh, what three points can we take away? Um, how can we uh, do a, a logical approach to this? And I just realized that when Jesus actually said it, he just threw it out there and then left and kind of left it to the people to try and chew on and see what, what came of it. Uh, but we jump ahead to verse, uh, uh, what is that, Eight, 36. Then he left the crowds and went into the house, and his disciples approached him. So the people who knew his teachings knew what was going on and said, explain to us this parable of the weeds in the field. So they didn't even get it. And so he answered, and we are grateful that we have the answer, and so we know what Jesus was trying to say. He answered, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom. The weeds are the children of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. 
The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are collected and burnt up with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send His angels, and they will collect out of His kingdom all causes of sin and all evildoers, and they will throw them into the furnace of fire, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Let anyone with ears listen. And so this is a phrase Jesus often uses, let anyone with ears listen. And so he doesn't over-explain himself. He gives out the parable, he, he describes it, and then says, if you have ears, listen. So this, this parable and all the parables of Jesus, they, they aim to broaden our perspective and so kind of pull ourselves out of our crazy little worlds, which uh, this time of the year in particular, just everything just seems to be smashing against us, right? So exams, um, tax season, all this stuff. We're just trying to work our way through it all. Uh, and what this does is it kind of helps us to just step up and kind of take a, take a little breather and look again at what the whole kingdom is about and, and how it influences our lives. It also helps us just see the scope of eternity's timeline. We can be so caught up in, in getting our tax returns and we forget that actually Jesus is on this long timeline from eternity past till eternity come uh, and busy and at work on this planet. Jesus wants us to see that God's kingdom marches on beyond our reach, whether we're alive or not. His kingdom marches on. For some of us, that's like, what do you mean? Do I have not something to contribute? Of course we do. But it also means that God is in control, whether we are willing to work with Him or not. There's an inherent us in His kingdom, and you would have noticed, I don't know if some of the songs you were suddenly like, hey, wasn't there supposed to be an I there? Why has it changed to the plural? Yes, it's purposefully we have done that. Uh, and so it's a, there's this we part of the kingdom. There's a togetherness as God is calling us to go and expand His kingdom. And there's a significance which you have, absolutely, but the, for this series, it's helpful for us to understand the significance of actually being a body and being kingdom people under the Lord. And so the first thing we see is that the kingdom is a mystery. Anyone notice that as you've walked with the Lord? There's just some stuff I just do not understand. And then as I get older, I realize I even understand less. That's kind of how life goes. The kingdom is a mystery revealed only to those truly willing to listen. Jesus hides all his mysteries, and he only reveals them to those who are willing to truly listen. He says that the kingdom may be compared to, and then does this whole thing, and then says, let anyone with ears listen. Parables were not intended to make Jesus' teachings easier. He actually threw them out there to confuse the heck out of people, gave him time to disappear, and then the Pharisees were all offended and wanted to kill him, gave him some time to get away. It wasn't to help them understand, oh, that makes it so clear. It was actually to make it harder for them to understand, but at the same time, not give them an excuse that they will have heard the truth. And so the parables in themselves actually pronounce judgment on the people, and the Pharisees in particular. Jesus would tell a parable, it would be about them, they would, it would finally, the lights would come on, and we're like, oh, they understood the truth. And so there was judgment upon them if they weren't willing to listen to Jesus and actually make adjustments. And so it's impossible for us to understand these spiritual truths unless Jesus reveals them to us. I don't know if you've tried and strived to try to understand some deep truth. Unless the Lord opens your mind, this stuff is darkness to us. I remember the day when I first gave my life to the Lord. Um, and for many years before in matric, I'd read the, I'd read the scriptures um, just because that's what we did as uh, hostel boys. It's just something you were supposed to do. It was a Bible time. You had to read your stuff. 
I would get through Matthew and then get to Mark and then Luke. I'm like, why are these actually repeating themselves? I didn't understand what was going on. Uh, but we just did it anyway because it's what everyone was supposed to do. And then suddenly, when the Lord opened my eyes, um, early 2000s, suddenly all of this began to make more and more sense. Not all of it at the same time. How a woman saved through childbirth. Anyone? Any options? Anyone out there? Sure. So as we're walking with the Lord, these things begin to come clearer and clearer and clearer. But there's a revealing that the Lord has to do. If He doesn't open our eyes, we can strive as hard as we want. We're just going to become whitewashed tombs that have all this head knowledge, but actually has no application to us. And there's just no life in it. And so as we read through this, don't just think, hey, I hope this, the preacher and over the next few weeks really opens this up well to me. Let's have our ears to Jesus saying, Lord, you've got to help me understand this stuff. And if you walk away every week with one word that the Lord has opened to you, please write it down. We all have phones now. We have no excuse for not writing stuff down. It might be one word. If the Lord has given you that word, write it down. And then over the week, ask Him to unpack that a bit more. It might be one sentence that I say. It might be one scripture that you've been mulling over for a while. Whatever it is, please, let us take this stuff before the Lord and say, Lord, you've got to open our eyes to this. You've got to reveal your truth to us. Jesus told the crowds all these things in parables. Without a parable, he told them nothing. This was to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth to speak in parables. I will proclaim what has been hidden from the foundation of the world. Jesus wants to reveal, but it's going to take him revealing it to us. So let's be diligent in seeking him out. And so this parable in particular, he only explained to his disciples so he threw it out there. Everyone was like, what the heck is he talking about? He just walks away, goes into the house, describes it to his disciples. Why do you speak to them in parables? They ask him. And he answered, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. Have you ever tried to share a truth with someone who does not know Jesus and you just cannot understand why they will not receive it. There's this burning inside of you when you first heard it, and you try with that same zeal and burning, deliver that same message, and there's just blankness. Yes? We used to be those blankness, remember? So don't get too proud there. It's because it has not been given to us to understand. It requires Jesus opening up our minds and opening up our hearts to these mysteries. If I've told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things. And this is what we want. We want to outgrow our understanding of the earthly things. Yes, there's important things that we have to put in place, but we want to understand heavenly things. Yes, these mysteries that Jesus came to reveal to us. And so understanding the things of the kingdom is a progressive journey. Don't think you need to walk out of here fully understanding the kingdom. It's a progressive journey. Whatever the Lord's dealing with you, just take that before him and let's grow. For me, it was when I while uh, when I got saved, suddenly uh, it, the scriptures were alive to me. I understood all the gospels. I understood why it was almost like a switch just came on for me. I understood the Bible. I understood its makeup and, and what God was trying to do. But the one thing I did not understand was grace. And so it was really interesting. Greg and I got saved roughly the same time. Um, she had this document about grace, a one-pager on grace. Um, she was just so alive. She was so grateful that the grace of the Lord was upon her. So she gave me this document to read, and I was like, what a load of rubbish is this? What do you mean the Lord just does all of this? It's like, no ways. I'm an achiever. Like, I'm going to help the Lord save me. Like, I'm sure he needs my help. I'm going to help him with this. The scriptures, he needed people to write them. I'm sure he needs my help. 
two or three years later, so life went on, um, two or three years later, uh, we're going through some stuff, I don't know if we moved or something, and just found a whole bunch of papers, Greg pulls this thing out and I read it, so I'm like, yes, 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 this is all true. And it suddenly dawned on us, it was the same piece of paper that I'd been like, what a load of rubbish is this? The point being that we are all on a journey, and the Lord unravels these things in His time. And so don't put this huge pressure on yourself to just know it all. We're on a journey and trying to understand the kingdom. And the Lord is working something on you, so you can't even put that on somebody next to you. The Lord's doing something with them. Uh, but for all of us, let's, let's be having our ears towards heaven, saying, God, we want to hear what you're teaching us, so teach us today, please. Your kingdom come, we say, right? Your will be done. Do we mean that? Do we want his kingdom to come? Do we want his will to be done? Because that is his kingdom. So what mysteries does God reveal through this parable? Verse 37, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man. And so the first mystery that we see God reveal is that the son of man sows good seed. The son of man sows good seed. For many of us, God is not a good father. For many people in the world, he's this authoritarian God who just wants to nuke everybody and the nuking is coming. We read that. But that's all that we see. The revelation that Jesus is trying to reveal here, number one, is that the Son of Man sows good seed. He sows good stuff. We read in James that every generous act of giving with every perfect gift is from where? From above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. He's not good today and bad tomorrow. He's a good God who has good things for us. And the Son of Man is sowing good things. All the work that he does is for good things, for good fruit to come out. And Jesus is actively reaching into our lives. The Son of Man is doing the sowing. He's actively reaching into our lives. Now, we, now we can't take this parable too literally when he says that um, the Son of Man sows good people because just before that he spoke about sowing the Word. And as the Word takes plant in people's hearts, then they get saved, and then they become these children. And so, um, not too literally, but the point is that Jesus is at work with His Word, and as He dispenses His Word, as the Gospel is preached, as we receive these teachings about His kingdom, and they take root in our hearts, we begin to understand and receive these good gifts from God, and begin to grow and walk in His kingdom. But the beauty is that Jesus is actively at work. It's not all us, Right? It's the grace, it's the ability of Jesus, that piece of paper, it's that one, the good one. Jesus went through Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. That's what Jesus did. We see the summary of Acts. In the first book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus did and taught from the beginning until the day when he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about what? The kingdom of God. So Jesus' message was the kingdom of God. And so all of our teachings, all of our um, wanting to see people come to faith, all of this is about the kingdom of God, right? Falls under this massive banner of the kingdom of God. And I do think that there are some movements that, that take this kingdom of God to a level where I don't think Jesus really intends it to be. I think it fulfills itself up if we look at the whole gospel and we look at the entire scriptures and all of history. Uh, the kingdom is important. 
But it's basically, in essence, the summary of what Jesus was trying to draw people into, the kingdom of God. And so it's no small thing for us to understand what is he talking about, the kingdom. Those who receive his sown word are rescued from the power of darkness and placed into the kingdom, right, of his beloved son, Jesus. And so this is more than just trying to convince somebody of a truth. It's trying to draw them into a relationship with this living God. That, in essence, is the kingdom. The king, when Jesus says the kingdom is like, it's like a man who sows. And so not only is the Son of Man one who sows good things, he's a person. How often have you and I tried to convince people of coming to Jesus, but actually we're really trying to invite them to a religion and a new way of life? Yes? And they don't want to receive that. Why? Because they actually, at the very core of who we are, we want the person. We want a relationship with Jesus. And so when we think about kingdom, we think about reaching the lost, we think about all those who are going to be nuked, actually the essence of all of it is actually the person of Jesus. The people who are getting nuked are those who refuse to come to the person of Jesus. Not just, oops, I found myself near the fire. They've actually refused the person. And what we're inviting people is not to liberty because the worship's so wonderful and we really love the Lord. It's not because our coffee is so great, and it is. But we've got to be welcoming people to the person of Jesus. That's the kingdom. The king. And all of his subjects, you and I, and that sounds maybe obvious to us, but I fear that the longer we walk with the Lord, we actually begin to forget that. We begin to have all our mechanisms in place. We've got all our, um, the Pied Piper, Monique over here, who has all the children. Uh, we could look at this and go, oh, we need some kids' ministry that's going to welcome people with kids. No, we don't. They need Jesus. That's what they need. Would a structured kids' ministry facilitate that? Sure, that's a different question. The real question is, is whatever we put in place going to facilitate people coming to the person of Christ? That has to remain at the core of all of our evangelism, the core of all of our teaching, the core of all of, all of our prophecy, all this stuff is the person of Jesus. Not to come and look like a hero up front, not to come and sing like a maestro. It's to welcome people to the person of Jesus. That is the kingdom. That is the kingdom of heaven. Inviting people to a generous king who gives good gifts to all in his kingdom. The mystery is that it will produce good in our lives if we will not take offense at him. God's kingdom will produce good in our lives if we will not take offense at him. Jesus taught good things, right? Then why did they kill him? They took offense at what he said, because he said, you're living like this, this is actually what the kingdom is like, but they took offense at what he was trying to teach them about the kingdom. And so I wonder how much we're losing out in the good blessings of the Lord because we take offense at the way that he describes the kingdom to us. Sleeping outside of marriage, do we take offense at that? Beautiful story of Rich and Jen sharing just their journey. Could take offense or go, Jesus, we don't fully understand this thing, but you've described your kingdom like this, and so we want to be a part of it. Money, tithing, ooh. 
Can we have a deep theological stance as to why we don't need to tithe anymore? Or do we go, Jesus, just tell me again about your kingdom. Oh, this generous God who just doesn't hold anything back. Your kingdom is one in which we give and are generous and want to see everyone around us, no one lacking. Then we take all our clever little legal arguments, shove them out the way and go, Jesus, just show me your kingdom, the person of Jesus. Let me walk alongside you. You tell me what to do with this money. Or do we take offense at his kingdom? And no one's going to convince you. There's been some really hard-hearted people who've come to ask about tithing, explain it to them, and they just will not budge. On the other hand, have had people we haven't said a single thing about tithing before. And this person got saved, and three weeks later came to me to my office and said, I feel like I need to tithe. I was like, Lord, bless you. Bless you. Not because the person wants to give, but because God has done a deep work in a person's heart. And they're not taking offense at his kingdom, but are saying, Jesus, whatever you say, we're just going to do. That's the kingdom breaking into our lives. It's a, it's a kingdom, as we heard at prayer meeting, of trust and obedience. It's trusting Jesus, even if we don't understand, and being obedient, even if we don't understand. And believe me, when Jesus describes his kingdom to you, there is much space for offense. Because we just do not live intrinsically the way that Jesus' kingdom operates. We just don't. Our kingdom's all about us, our little empires, our little babels, our little money. It's all ours. But the kingdom of God says something very different. Will we take offense or are we going to be those who have ears and are willing to listen to what Jesus is saying? And so Jesus, when it comes to tithing, as an example, may or may not have to speak to me about that. He may have to speak to you. What that means is, if you're listening, are you willing to do what Jesus commands? The enemy is also actively sowing, right? So when someone brings up a topic of tithing, the devil's also there, chucking his weed seeds. And so we can either go, okay, Jesus, I'm hearing this, but I'm taking a little bit of offense here but I feel like I need to make some adjustments, or we can just leave it for a few minutes and then the devil's more than happy to chuck his, his seeds in there and we just go, you know what, actually, I think this is all bollocks. I'm going to go and do this thing. The devil's just as active. And it's not just about money. There are lies that we are believing that are holding us back from the good things God has for us. And for each of us, that's different. Something's happened in your life Jesus did not desire for it to happen, but it took place. And you perhaps have come to a place where the devil's planted the seed that actually Jesus isn't really in control. Jesus hasn't really got this. Jesus hasn't really have good things for you. But actually, if we hold back and go, hold on, Jesus, just, just sow this seed in again. Just sow this one again. Oh, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sows good seed. That is the truth irrespective of what circumstance says. Why? Because Jesus also covers it with saying, we will get through this life with a lot of persecution and suffering. That is the truth. But I wonder how many of these weeds have taken root in our lives and are holding us back and we're taking offense at Jesus because life hasn't worked out for us as we planned it. 
And I don't say this lightly because we have, some of us have been through some terrible, terrible, terrible stuff. But God is wanting to pluck those weeds out of our lives now, those, those lies, and to see his wheat, his fruit, the good things that he has take place in our lives. And this is not prosperity gospel, as we heard this morning already. This isn't like you're going to be rich tomorrow. This is actually God has stuff for you so that through your next suffering, you're still going to hold to him in truth and in faith and in obedience. That's not an easy gospel to hear, is it? That's why we have a king who was willing to die himself and suffer. Not to say, hey, come to my kingdom, but you suffer, I'm just going to take the easy route out of here. He faced it and says, but I will be there to equip you. I'll be there to strengthen you. I'll be there to take you through this stuff. May he implant his truth into you today. All of us are believing lies from the devil. All of us. There's something in us. And I'm trusting that today the Lord's going to speak that truth over you. Nuke those weeds and that his truth will begin to produce that joy that's no longer there. That love which you're struggling to have for somebody. This is practical, outworking stuff. That hope, that you would get that hope back once again. But the Lord will do this. The zeal of the Lord will do it. So firstly, the Son of Man sows good seeds. Secondly, the kingdom is spiritual and physical. You know the kingdom is spiritual and physical? Have you been brought up with this idea that the spiritual, everything on earth is bad and evil? And that only the heavenly things are good? Well, it's awkward because when God called the dry land earth and the waters that were gathered together, he called seas and he saw that it was good. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed of every kind, trees of every kind, bearing fruit with seed in it. God saw that it was good. God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, the lesser light to rule the night, and the stars. God set them in the dome of the sky. We're not, we're not having arguments here. To give light upon the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. So God created the great sea monsters and every living creature that moves and every kind with which the waters swarm and every winged bird of every kind and saw that it was good. God made the wild animals of the earth of every kind and the cattle of every kind. Everything that creeps upon the ground except parktown prawns. I don't know where they came from. God saw that it was good. God saw everything that he had made and indeed it was very good. Our physical world is good. Falling apart? For sure. But it is good. And while it's aching under the pain and the pressure of our sin, just waiting for Jesus to come back and clean this whole thing up, the world is at our fingertips to use for the expansion of the kingdom of God. And so your money is not evil. It just needs to be used for the king and for his kingdom. Sex, your body is not evil, just needs to be used for the king and for his kingdom. Your job, I know you think your boss is evil, but it actually has been given to you by God for provision. And now I know there might be people, your colleagues are really tough to live with, but your job can be used for the king and for the kingdom. If you will set your eyes and your gaze upon God, going, God, this is really a tough place for me. Charles, I know it's hard. 
But God, this is your job that you've given me. I am your servant. Help me to use this job for the building of your kingdom. Everything we have can be used for the expansion of the kingdom if we will understand that everything God created was good. We don't have to disappear like monks up into the mountain. Though I think they were quite involved in discovering beer, so it's good on them. But we don't have to disappear from humanity in order to reach some spiritual nirvana and suddenly be, oh, I am now spiritual and this is now good. That was never God's intention. His intention was for us to get on surfboards, get into the water, reach people for the kingdom. That's God's intention. Even bodyboarders. <laughs> Still up for debate. I've got scripture for this later. All of these things can be used by the Lord if we will turn our ears to Him and hear when He speaks to us. That everything He's given us is good. The third thing He's trying to tell us is that there are only two types of people, children of the kingdom and children of the evil one. Those are the only two types. The only two types, the righteous and the sin causes or evildoers. The good seed are the children of the kingdom and the weeds are the children of the evil one. Those are the only two who, for a season, are allowed to live side by side. And I know it's difficult for us to fully understand, but actually we're living in an age of incredible mercy from the hand of God. We look at it groaning like Lot, I think, as you saw Sodom and Gomorrah, and it was just like, why do I have to live amongst these people? But actually, it's an incredible act of mercy from God, not destroying people left, right, and center the moment that they turn their backs on Him. I think we've maybe just forgotten the mercy that we've received and perhaps need to extend that once again because there's no longer Jew or Greek. There's no longer slave or free. There's no longer male nor female. There's no longer surfer nor bodyboarder. We all alike get to inherit the kingdom of God. What Jesus is trying to do is shift our focus from our internal fighting, colors, race, financial, all these differences that exist amongst us. He's trying to lift our eyes off of that and go, actually, at the end of the day, there's only two people, those who are going to spend eternity with me and those who aren't. And that's really where our main effort and energy should be. Rather than quabbling and fighting, to actually have a heart to go, you know what, Jesus, I don't care if this person hates me. I don't care if they're bodyboard. We need them in the kingdom. We want to see them serving you, living a life of impact. Because that is kingdom focus. To look up and realize that actually there's only two real classes of people in this world. And as a child of God, our primary concern is to see those who are, who are ending for destruction. And you may think of the person you most hate or has whatever. Even in history, maybe they haven't personally hurt you. But you, you can think to yourself, you know, I actually can't wait for Judgment Day. You know, after 10,000 years in heaven, all that anger is going to wear out of us. And we're going to realize the severity of what the most wicked person in this entire world is going to face with separation from Jesus for eternity. 
We can argue maybe for 50 years of their life they were utterly evil, and so they should suffer for 10,000. This isn't 10,000 years of suffering. This is eternity. And so I'm hoping that this, that kind of a view, at least for me, is going to shift my gaze going, you know, I can understand why Jesus says, love those who hate you. Because what lies ahead for them is really not a pretty thing. And we get so bogged down with all of our stuff, all of our possessions, all of our spendings, and all of our stuff that we just have to do. And forget what the kingdom's really about. I think there's times when you reach my old age of 40-odd, you're like, well, the Lord is going to return. You think it's every year, and then it's like, okay, well, maybe he'll just come whenever he feels like it. And we get blasé about the fact that he will just come suddenly. It could be tomorrow. And how much have I actually done in order to see people come into the kingdom of light? And this isn't a striving. This isn't a got to do everything I can do. We're not all evangelists. Can I just put that out there? But we are all witnesses. God's called us to witness. Meaning we ought to share what he's done in our lives. How can we do that? Well, only if we're walking with him. That's what God wants you to share. If one person comes to faith because of you and not even through you, through somebody else, because of a story you said, that's enough if that's all he has for you. We're not all Billy Grahams. But we are all children of the kingdom. Got to share this incredible walk that we're having with the king, with those around us. What they do with it is not your problem. If they have ears, they will listen. That's not your problem. Yours and mine is to be faithful in sharing this gospel message, the story of the kingdom with those around us. And for some people, you'll share one sentence and they're going to give their lives to the Lord. Others, you're going to walk 50 years down the road and they're still not going to give their lives to the Lord. That's okay. It's not your problem. Our responsibility is to share the witness of what this king has done in our lives. Fourthly, the day of harvest approaches, and now is the age of mercy. It is hectic when you begin to think more and more about this. And I think that's why we just like, it's just a little bit too much. Let's just get on with Candy Crush. Is Candy Crush even still happening? Not sure. Yeah. Not the point. Incredibly important things for us to be busy with in this age of mercy the harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are collected and burnt up with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send His angels, and they will collect out of His kingdom all causes of sin and all evildoers, and they will throw them into the furnace of fire, where there will be weeping. Have you ever seen someone gnash their teeth? You don't see it often. You don't. And you're under immense pain. Sorry, I don't want to turn this point with emotion. I want the severity of its truth to just hit us. By His grace, we won't be gnashing our teeth. But there will be people from our own families who will be. And that's not to get us to Try and change who we are and try and become the Billy Grahams. That's not, that's not God's intention. You know, we can just pray. We're all called to be prayers. Maybe not intercessors, but we are all called to pray. 
surely the least we can do. The least we can do is come before the throne of the only one who can truly change a heart and ask him to do it out of mercy. Because the righteous are hidden in this world, our last point, the righteous are hidden in this world but will be glorified. Paul says, I consider the sufferings of this present age are not worth comparing with the glory about to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the children of God. It's tough when we sacrifice our lives, we try to live this righteous life and rains on us as much as it does on the unrighteous, eh? It's kind of like, Lord, just prove that there's some separation here, please. But he's too merciful to do that. What it is, is a call for us to persevere. The day is coming. And we will celebrate it, but it's going to come with a pinch. Because there are going to be people that we want to celebrate with us. And for them, it is going to be the most dreaded day when the Lord returns. Though we live in relative obscurity now, the day will come when Jesus holds us up and goes, burn that lot, these are mine. And the glory of the sun will shine through us. We'll finally be over those stupid sins that we just can't seem to shake in this life. They'll all be gone. Are you looking forward to that day? I am. I am. But for now, we're indistinguishable from the wicked. There were three men hanging on a cross. One of them, God himself, indistinguishable from the other thieves that hung next to him. Our lives are the same until God comes to take us. Indistinguishable. Until then, our lives are not about us being in the limelight. That's why we're indistinguishable, because it's not about us. We get to hold up the name of Jesus. We get to shine His name. It's His era of fame. People don't want to come to Glenn's church. They want to come to the church of the living Christ. Jesus, whether it's called Liberty, whether it's called New Gen, whatever it's called, people want to come to Jesus. And so our job in the kingdom for now, on this planet, is to lay our little lives down. We must decrease so that he increases. People look at our lives and go, wow, what is this? In that moment, we decrease, Jesus must increase. People are seeing something of the light of Christ, and that is what draws them, like a moth to the flame. And if he's kind enough, the Spirit will nuke every last living part that is still them and only leave Jesus behind. That is what we aim to do in this kingdom, to have us decrease and Jesus increase. But with hope that the day is coming. I still have many things to say to you, says Jesus, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak of his own, but will speak whatever he hears. He will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. For this reason, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. While we may be indistinguishable, we are not left alone. The Holy Spirit is at work in us, and as over the next few weeks we begin to look more and more how Jesus describes his kingdom, let us be diligent in asking the Holy Spirit to teach us these things, 
to highlight these things. We've got to cover a whole bunch of topics, but God's trying to say something specific to you that He wants you to grow in, that He wants to shape and mold you for His kingdom. But it takes each one of us going, give me ears to hear, Jesus. I've heard these words, but let them not just fade away over time. Let them take root in my life. Let something of the kingdom, some fruitfulness come out of me. Can we entrust ourselves to God to do that? Should we do that? Let's stand together before Him. Our Heavenly Father, what a privilege it is for us to hear the words of your Son being read to us. Lord, knowing that all life is contained in Him. He is the way, He is the truth, He is the life. And your kingdom is one in which we get to walk with Him, we get to walk with you, we get to walk by your Spirit. But we all have our temptations as the devil sows seed in all of our hearts. He knows which soils are specific to each of us, which seeds will impact us more. And is continually at work. Lord, he's far older than us, and so he's far smarter. We ask that the truth of your word would take root in our hearts, that would kill out all of his seeds, all of our insecurities, all that he's spoken to us, those lies that are derailing us, that are holding us back. God, would you break through all of that? Would you plant your seed? Would you water it by your Spirit? Would we find ourselves at the foot of your throne, closer to you than closer to the devil, that we would hear your voice louder than his? We know that you have good things. We know that you are actively at work sowing good things into our lives. And so we want to just freshly submit ourselves to you and to your kingdom. So God, would we make our lives about your kingdom? Where we've engineered our lives to really be about our own little empires, God, would you help us to lay that down? Would we decrease so that you can increase? And Lord, where we get to share and be witnesses of the work and the love that you have effected into our lives, Lord, would you take the pressure off of us like, like we're the ones who are actually going to turn a heart. But Lord, would you give us a trust and a confidence in your ability to turn a heart. Lord, you turned ours. How stiff-necked were we? But Lord, for what time is left on this planet, would we walk with an ear to heaven, with a heart for the lost, and with a dependency upon you, that can leave us only worshiping you because of the work that you have done. Lord, there's still so much for us to learn. There's still so much for us to grow in. And as we go through this series, Lord, each of us is going to be growing and learning in different areas. I pray that you would do a work in us as a body. You're still taking us together in some direction, God. Would you, would you take us? We submit ourselves to you. We've planned the series. We've got the verses. But Lord... Would you do a work in us? If you shift us and shape us and move us, Lord, we will follow. 
Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for all the good that you have done in every single person in this room's life. Think of all these kids and the environment which they get to grow up in, Lord. Would you bless them? Would they not waste as much time as we have on trying to get ourselves into a place of hearing you and walking with you, Lord? Would they have a head start on us? Your kingdom come. Your will be done.